to another episode of the Brown and Black Podcast. My name is Jack Rico. And I'm Mike Sargent. And every week we take a look at race and pop culture through a brown and black lens. Well, Mike, we're closing in on 2023. How time flies. I feel like, man, this year, it's been a lot this year. But at the same time, jam packed. (laughs) It has been jam packed, and it feels like that. And, but it's also gone so quickly. Does it feel like that for you? Dude, it's hard for me to believe that we're in December. How are we going into 2023? I'm, I'm stunned. No. (laughs) <laughs> I know. I it still seems, feel like it's it, like it's like that old adage where they say like the older you get, the quicker time goes by. But I, I don't think it's just that. I think time is literally moving faster. Absolutely. And for the Brown and Black podcast, we had some really cool achievements this year, uh, including our Webby that we won, our uh, Webby honoree for best podcast hosts. You and me are the dynamic duo brother. So congratulations is. to you uh, once yeah. again and to the show and, and, to- and to you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And uh, we also did something also pretty cool this year that I had never done. You had never done. And that was to do a live podcast. And so even though it traditionally didn't come out the way we wanted it to, which was to be in person, we ended up doing our first live podcast via Zoom at a men of color event this year and not too long ago in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, Mike, do you want to tell the folks a little bit about uh, what the topics of conversation of that episode were and what we're going to be presenting here today? Here's the thing. What we were going to do this live presentation, and it's for a men of color conference. Everything. Okay, what can we do? What can we talk about that that is something that everybody experiences? We're brown and black, but you know we're talking to men of color, so across the spectrum, and that is pivoting, code switching, and what we call the language of success. And the whole idea of talking about pivoting, it's a very controversial subject. It's it's controversial. Just in intimate conversations, it's definitely controversial, I think, in the workplace. And, you know, the whole idea of code switching, the whole idea of pivoting, and I consider code switching to be pivoting. So that's what we're going to talk about. And we have some sound bites. We had some slides, which you will have to imagine. But I thought it went off pretty well. It was pretty awesome. So we were on Zoom in Boston. The, first of all, we were supposed to be there live, but Mike unfortunately had a accident, and that car uh, could that not wall, be driven. That wall, that wall hit me. Okay, the wall, <laughs> the wall hit you. Hit me. Yeah, okay? I, I didn't know walls could move, but sure. Yes. And yes. then we tried as heck to try and get to Boston, regardless, via train. <laughs> plane and it just was not gonna happen and, and guess so what we had to <laughs> pivot yes yes <laughs> which is one of the key topics we'll be discussing today and we created this awesome zoom live podcast we got an applause at the end and so we thought that you know well, i think wow we can definitely pull this off if it were live and we had a lot of fun with so we would like to present to you now 
our first live podcast episode of the Brown and Black Podcast in Boston, Massachusetts for the Men of Color event. Enjoy. We chose the topic today, today's topic of pivoting, code switching, and the language of success for a very specific reason, because it's it's a provocative title. It's controversial. And, and it's code switching is one of those things where the phrase means something different depending on who you are and your perspective. So does it mean you're selling out? Does it mean <laughs> you have to hide your true self? Are you wearing a mask? Have some part of your identity? So we want to explore this, but we figured we'd start first with the Oxford Dictionary definition of code switching. The practice of alternating between two or more languages or varieties of language and conversation. Now, that just opens the door here for a few things, because I think, you know, there are a lot more questions. I think it's a very, very, how should I put it? A very white narrow, definition, Mike. Very, Let's just say very, what it is, okay? Very white These definition. are the Brits. These but, are the Oxford Dictionary guys that want to give this like vanilla white code switching that does not affect us and is not accurate. To me, this is an inaccurate definition of what happens to brown and black people and why they code switch. Exactly, because it's not just about speaking different. We're going to redefine what code switching is here on this show, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to get into it. I have examples. Jack has examples. But the, the thing is, what are the questions here? Like, are you trying to network? Are, are you trying to be taken seriously and advance your career? And if you're in a white space, how do you code switch in a white space without being considered a sellout. So to me, it comes down to perception and perspective. But Jack, I, I have to ask you, all right, very specifically, because I've been waiting to do this show just to hear what you tell me is, what does the term code switching mean for you? And because I know you've been able to do it like I have, I think we're both living examples of of let's just say people of color who I'm considered safe, approachable. The other side of that is when I was young, you speak like a white guy. So, so that <laughs> oh, was, oh, but uh, we'll, we'll get that into that in just a second. We'll get into that. So, so my question is, is it more about presentation or, or do you want to influence the way people perceive you? So Jack, talk to me. Before I, I, I define the accurate way of describing what code switching is for brown and black people. Let me just kind of start with this. Code switching in itself, there's a lot of people that think it's controversial. Hey, you should not code switch when you're at work. Are you kidding me? You need to bring your whole self there. But then there's like people who don't really use it for that. So code switching for me, everyone does code switching. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. Sometimes you do it intentionally. Sometimes you don't even notice that you're doing it. 
I mean, let me tell you how much everyone code switches. Obama, President Obama back in 2012, went into a locker room. This was a video that went viral where he <laughs> first said hi to the white guy just regularly. But when he saw Kevin Durant, who's now in the Brooklyn Nets, man, he became Obama. <laughs> and this constantly happens in pop culture. People don't even notice it. They just do it. So how's about like movies? Even movies talk about code switching. There's a movie called Sorry to Bother You with Lakeith Stanfield and it's directed by Boots Riley. And if you've ever seen this movie, this is the ultimate code switch movie. It's about a black man who in order to advance in his career, he switches his black AAVE voice, Mike, into a white voice. You want to make some money here? Use your white voice. My white voice? I'm never talking about Will Smith's wife like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer, this is Langston from Regal View. As always, we'll be getting that out to you right away. You're doing so good with the voice thing. Holla, 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 holla. Oh, yeah. All right. Upstairs, power caller. They even have their own elevator. Welcome, power caller. I hope you did not masturbate today. We need you sharp and ready to go. And the success that follows him is absolutely hilarious. But it's also an abstract film. You know, it's very funny, but 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 twisted and weird. So we all code switch, but. When should we co-switch when we're at work? Like, who are the people that we need to co-switch with? And Mike, I just feel like there's two ways about it, right? First of all, when we co-switch, we're co-switching to two groups. The first is the formal group, okay? The formal group is our parents. We co-switch with our parents, right? We're talking to our boys and all of a sudden mama's home. You don't talk to mother and father the same way you talk to your boys. It just doesn't happen. You'll get slapped if that happens. And this happens, you know, all the time. But outside of that formal group, like the parents, the teachers, the elders, the police officers, we have to change the way we speak when we speak to a hierarchy. But when we're just talking to our boys, that's the informal group. That's the second group. And that's our boys. That's our spouse. That's our brother. We don't have to code switch as much. We start code switching within races, whether you're black or Latino, depending if you're hanging out with like a Cuban crowd or a Colombian crowd or a Mexican crowd, your accent changes to try and belong. So that's mm -hmm. when I think those are the two groups that, that we switch with. But Mike, ultimately the two arguments are for code switching and for not code switching is this. And then you let me know what you think people should do for code switching and the argument for it is that listen code switching is when you're forced to compromise who you are in order to survive and the ugly truth is to become successful especially early in your career you got to play the game man and you can't make white people feel uncomfortable that's probably the main reason in corporate america and the corporate culture that you code switch. Now, some people will say be against code switching. Hey, listen, that's nice. It's nice that you're code switching, buddy, but let's let's be realistic, okay? It's a luxury. 
to not code switch. Sometimes you can't be real in certain places, especially when you have to bring money to your home. You gotta pay off the debts. You gotta feed your family. You gotta pay your kids tuition. So if that means that you're code switching for survival, I don't wanna hear it. I'm gonna code switch eight hours a day, all day, to keep my family fine. Should we code switch at work? Is that a bad thing? Because I just explained why I should be code switching all the time. Is there a balance, Mike? You know, I have a lot of thoughts on this and we only have, you know, 30 minutes. But let, let me just say this. I, I think it's about perspective because I don't see code switching as something that I have to compromise. And I just see it as n- not so much when in Rome, but okay. It, it's about perception and how you want to be perceived. So as a, for instance, if, you know, we're always taught around our elders you know, you don't curse, or you don't say bad words or, or whatever. You talk a certain way around your elders, depending on what kind of family you come from. Now, is, is that code switching or is that really just adapting? You want to be perceived as someone who respects and you do respect. So, so that's part of who you are. You're not really denying who you are. You're doing it out of respect. Perception is something, and I'll give you an example. And this is just really a big picture here. You know, right now people buy air fryers. They're very popular. Everybody's got an air fryer. Okay. But the perception of hearing an air fryer, it just sounds clean. Like, wow, I air fried it. It was just this clean experience. There was no grease, no oil, but, but you know what? An air fryer is just a convection oven, but nobody says, Hey, I just bought a convection oven and they don't even market it as a convection oven. Now, why? That's because today, in today's vernacular, our our sensibilities, the perception, they had to reinvent. They had to change, change the code. They had to switch the perception of this for it to be accepted to where we are today as a culture. So to me, it's, it's sort of the same thing where you want to be perceived a certain way. You want to be taken seriously a certain way. So this is how you have to act in front of these, these people or in this space or in this situation. And that's what you do. It's an advantage. I speak the way I speak to because of how my dad spoke. And I didn't really even consider it something. I took it for granted how I I speak, how I I articulate myself, how I can express myself. People give me more credit sometimes than I'm worth. But here is my answer when I was a kid to what people used to say to me when they would say, oh, you know, you sound like a white guy. And I'd say, well, no, I, I don't think I sound like there are a lot of white people that don't sound like me. But what I would say is, I think what you're saying is I sound intelligent. And if I sound intelligent and you're perceiving that as white, then who's really been brainwashed? So Hmm. that was my response. And that took like time to get to that. I didn't just come up with that right away. My perspective on code switching, it's been something that before they had that term, you know, I didn't know I was code switching when I was code switching, maybe 20 years ago, that term came into vogue, but now, I don't, I don't look at it that way. I feel like it's an advantage to be able to move in and out of different spaces. And I don't look at code switching as anything more than pivoting, which okay. we'll get to in a minute. I think that to a certain extent, if nature, God gave you these skills for survival, the way all animals have a gift for survival, right? Alligators can go in water and then come out of the water depending on the predator. So if our predator is trying to diminish us in any way, and the skill we got is to code switch, 
where we kind of go stealth on them. <laughs> Darn, is he white or is he a person of color? I, damn it, I can't tell. <laughs> Let's give him a promotion. Hey, if that's going to give you a promotion and I use my skills earnestly, then I got to go with it depending on the situation. But I'm not going to code switch all the time. I'm just going to code switch whenever I need to. So with that said, Mike, I'm really interested in hearing you talk about pivoting because that's another very crucial topic of this episode. And it, it is. And, and, I, and here's how I relate pivoting to code switching, because I feel that that code switching, if you call it code switching, is sort of like pivoting in real time. You know, if so, you know, sometimes you need to be something else in order to succeed, to succeed in a, in a specific area. You know, there are times where a skill you may have is no longer needed. Something else comes along, you know, something else is needed. You know, I've been in radio for over 20 years. That doesn't really mean that much now. So now I'm in podcasting. Now to me, podcasting is just radio to go. Okay. But at a certain point, I had to pivot my career from radio, not that I don't do radio because I do, but to, to the same skills apply in radio as podcasting. Now, I've been pivoting for, I, I could really probably be considered some sort of a ballet dancer at this point in terms of pivoting, but I've done a lot of pivoting, but I, I want to ask you, Jack, you know, to me, pivoting is something that, that it's a crucial skill something you have to be able to do. And I think similar to code switching, it's, it's adapting, you know, and you have to adapt to whatever the needs are. And if you have a skill set, how can I take that skill set that I have for this career, for this thing that's not panning out or this job that like, what else can you take? How can you pivot? What, what is their demand for that's within your skill set? That's how I, you know, what you, what you call pivoting, Mike, I call reinvention because what you're doing is when you, once you're changing once you're noticing that the tea leaves are in a particular industry that you've been in for way too long so for in my in my case when the magazine industry started to just collapse and digital started to replace it when television and broadcast started to give their throne over to streaming like these are or or, or even social media these are all pivots that we've had to do but when you pivot, you're also reinventing yourself within the same space, but differently. You're framing yourself differently. And for me, there's been five key things that I've done in my life with reinvention that I'd like to share with you, Mike, if it's okay. For me, the first thing of reinvention is ambition. It's the thing that gets you out of bed. It is your gasoline. It is your fuel. You, you have to be ambitious about achieving a particular goal. That ambition is going to give you self-worth, which is that confidence to be able to cope with rejection. Because how many times have you been rejected, Mike, and you just don't have the self-worth to continue? You just give up. You surrender. But, you know, us Americans, man, we have a lot of self-worth. We want to be very successful. So reinvention is crucial to job survival. Don't be afraid to transform yourself many times over. You need to transform yourself as long as you need to in order to achieve your dreams. Remember, malleability is key. And you have preparation. This is the difference between an amateur and a professional. What I've noticed is when I was an amateur and the Today Show called me to be live with Al Roker and Hoda Kotb, 
I was like, well, if I go there just off the cuffing it, will I sound polished? People like that polish. And that polish is called professionalism. So I try to prepare as much as I can to be as professional as I can. I like the way it feels and other people too. And then finally, overcoming your fears, Mike. This is the thing that allows you to reach heights that you have never been able to even dream of. Fear is your own worst enemy, Mike. I'm not sure if that's happened to you where you might be fear something and you said, I don't wanna do it. But if you push through, Mike, overcoming that fear, there's gonna be a lot of amazing opportunities ahead of you. I do believe that human beings are driven by either desire or fear. Like, that's it. That's it. And you either give in to one or, or the other. But I also think pivoting, for me, has a lot to do with our relationship with change. And, and I think there are only three relationships we have with change. Either A, you're embracing change. It's happening. You're embracing it. You're just going to go with it. You're embracing this change. Or... You're fighting change. The change is coming and you're doing everything you can to like stop it. I'm trying to stop this change from coming, from happening in my life, my relationship, whatever it is. Or you can be creating the change. That's a relationship too. When you are the architect of the change in your life, to me, that's the best situation. So it's really up to you. Like you're going to have one of those three relationships with change all the time in your life. The amount you have of which relationship that's kind of up to you. So Mike, I think that today's episode, code switching, pivoting leads to our final category for this podcast episode, which is brown and black unity. Now, this has been something very difficult for me to even have to say, but brown and black unity hasn't always been a beautiful, positive thing. And we saw this in LA with what happened recently at the LA council, Mike, we talked about it in our last episode. It's on YouTube right now if you want to go check it out. Over 700 already listens. And this Nuri Martinez, these Latinos from LA that are Mexican, but they're white passing Latinos that were redesigning the political structures and the political landscapes of LA to ouster black and to position Latinos and whites as the power players in LA. And the way they spoke about black people, these, these, these Latino racists, these Latino anti-black people, which is something that I don't even want to get into because the, the, the subject is too much from Latin America and the way they treat Afro-Latinos. W. Dubois spoke about this double consciousness. Afro-Latinos go through triple consciousness. Are they American? Are they black? Or are they Latino? So brown and black unity is so important and so crucial amongst our communities today that we even asked a couple of huge power players in the game, which is Harvey Mason Jr., the CEO of the Grammys that are coming up soon, and Mike Flynn, who's a showrunner, co-creator and co-executive producer of CBS's East New York Cop Show, who's a black showrunner. I want you guys to listen to what they had to say about Brown and Black Unity. I wanted to ask you about Brown and Black Unity. In your stories, how do you create brown and black unity through art? Well, wow, that's a great question. I think we find a common ground in our struggles 
and find a common ground in our aspirations. And so I think there's a nice subtlety. You can do it in subtlety where people, two people like Jimmy Smith and Amanda Warren's characters who have a common goal, which is to be the best police officers that they can be. But at the same time, I think they have a responsibility to uphold the community in high, in, in high regard. And I, I'm still figuring that, that question out. That's a pretty profound question, but I think it's worth exploring through art where there, there can be some unity. There can be a, a space where for both cultures to exist. I think it's just, it's more so of finding what they both love and tackling that together. And out of that, you're going to hit the struggles at the same time. You're going to have successes at the same time. That's the best way that I can probably answer that. I, that's something I'm probably will continue to try to answer when we get off of this uh, call. Because. And then Mike, do you want to hit him with Harvey Mason? The power of brown and black unity. I think it closely resembles the power of unity in general, but speaking specifically to brown and black unity, I think people are always more educated, more knowledgeable, more capable if you are collaborating and connecting the brown and black communities, being unified, working together, sharing knowledge, sharing experiences, and then continuing to grow together makes a lot of sense. And I have to say that these cultures are so important individually, and there's been such a shift in culture. It's, it's a lot of it's been driven by these cultures we're talking about. A lot of, a lot of what's changed or what's been innovated or iterated on has come from these cultures. And I think you see it in art and music and business and fashion, I think literature, we are really, really driving important change. And so I think making sure that we're united with each other and not just with each other, but with others and bringing as many stakeholders to the table as possible and doing it in a honest and, you know, humble way. And I think people have different opinions about that. Some people are a little bit more strong-willed about it. I truly believe there's a place for everyone at the table. I truly believe we can all learn from each other. And I truly believe that together we're stronger than individuals trying to climb a hill by themselves. So I'm a firm believer in unity. I'm a firm believer in collaboration and learning and growing together. Mike, I've said this too many times. If you put the Latino community and the brown and the black community together, Dude, we're, we're like almost half of the population of the United States. We're over four, five trillion dollars in purchasing power and our political power will grow. So by the year 2050, we're going to be the majority, brother, the new majority by 2050. Brown and black unity means power in the future. That was a lot of fun, Jack. It was fun listening back to that. And I, I agree with everything we said in that podcast. <laughs> but, but I also think it's sort of the future. I think we're going to do more events like this. I think we should do more live podcast events. So coming up in 2023, I think we can promise that this is not going to be an anomaly. No, we want to do a lot more of these. And there might be an opportunity, Mike 
in Boston to do something. And uh, we'll let you guys know about that, of course. But we're very thankful for all of you who have been supporting us, our listeners, taking the time out to listen to our thoughts or opinions. Well, and you know something else, too, I have to say. One of the things that we have to do here is we have to give a shout out to Evan Cutts, who invited us, who's part of that organization. But also, we have a shout out to give to another fellow podcaster because we're all about amplifying each other's voices as well. Hey, everyone, I'm DJ. And I'm Ish. And we're the hosts of the, the Pero, Pero Let, Let Me Tell, Tell You podcast. podcast. So what is the Pero Let Me Tell You podcast? Well, it's two lifelong friends from Miami discussing current events, news, politics, and pop culture. In a nutshell, we talk about anything, everything, and absolutely nothing, just like you and your friends, loca with a healthy dose of Spanglish. And we interview the best Latin personalities around. Ah, oh, like actress Melissa Fumero. And don't forget Harvey Yang from What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, my God. And Olympic gymnast Daniel Leva. We got to hold his medals. Yes, we did. And then, of course, the one and only, my personal favorite dream guest, Gina Torres. Oh, an absolute goddess. But I mean, honestly, there's just too many guests for us to list. The important thing is, we're always putting the spotlight on the Latin community because we truly do believe representation matters. Así que, check out Pero Let Me Tell You podcast on all podcast streaming platforms today, with new episodes dropping every Friday. And I really mean every Friday, people. <laughs> oh! And don't forget, your croquetas, your pastelitos, and, and your cafe. Well, there's a new podcast that you guys might want to check out. In the meantime, that's it for this episode of Brown and Black. If you would like to support this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Your help will allow us to be heard by many more people. You can follow our comments and opinions on at Brown Black Podcasts on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll see you on the next episode of Brown and Black.